I'm Bert Cohen, and with your help, we are keeping democracy alive. Check for pulse. Stand clear. Push to shock. America's fascists are those people who think Wall Street comes first and the American people come second. What we've really seen is a financial sector that's gotten out of hand, has much too much of a role in this country. All of us have our own personal memories, depending on our age. There are certain shocking events that stand out, moments in history. For me, the JFK assassination, and of course, 9-11. Nothing was quite the same after these shocking events. Not a one of them occurred outside of historical context and meaning behind them. One, or actually two of them, happened about 50 years ago in May 1970. Well, not everyone alive today immediately remembers the events of May as we do the other two events. There's a reason for that. The government could not ignore the events of 1963 or uh, 2001. But there has been incentive to erase the facts from May 1970, which are inconvenient to the myths we are led to believe is real history. The dissonance with our glossed-over history is unacceptable to the powers that were and are still powers today. So what were the earth-shaking events 50 years ago this May? I was in college at the time, and the Kent State and then Jackson State massacres, though intentionally buried by official history, are forever part of my consciousness. The real power of history lies... Uh, with those who successfully and intentionally seek to erase history and replace it with soothing, comforting myth. One of the four white students killed by the National Guard in 13 seconds at Kent State on May 4th was Allison Krause, who I believe would be 69 today. Her sister Laurel is our guest today, and she's been fighting to find and expose the truth and significance of that massacre ever since. And her work has proved fruitful indeed. No doubt the blood was shed before many listeners were even born. Why does it matter? Are there vital lessons to be learned which inform us for the current state of justice and power politics in America and who the government is? Is there something it lays down which is useful for us to pick up? Laurel Krauss, thank you so much for being with us on Keeping Democracy Alive. I'm happy to be here. I went to my first anti-war protest when I was 14 in 1965. Our war in Vietnam seemed the antithesis of what I had been taught in elementary school. We stood for as Americans. I was taught to believe we backed people determined to have self-government. Yet here we were forcing a government on the people that they didn't want. Now, 50 years ago, Nixon was president at the time, and he seemed to intentionally egg on the attacks against the students who were protesting the war. The right-wing rage, which emerged in the 60s, continues and may, in fact, be more powerful today. Again, the Kent and Jackson State massacres did not occur in a historical vacuum. What was the context? What had happened in the days before the shootings? What did Nixon say that seemed to give a wink and a nod, using intentionally inflammatory words to those who would attack student protesters? Laurel, again, your sister Allison was just 19 at the time. You were 15, I believe. Tell us about uh, that day for you. I was getting off the school bus. Um, I was 15, ninth grade, junior high, and a neighbor ran up to me um, 
very upset, oh, uh, saying that uh, Allison had been hurt. And uh, for me to call my parents because they both worked. And so I ran home and called my mom. And luckily, one of my friends, Marianne, my neighbor, she she stuck with me. I just found that out recently. that She was there the whole time mm. uh, because I, I it was an out-of-world, out-of-body experience. Oh, um, my mom came home and, and called and called and called. And we, we discovered that the phone lines had been cut um, in and out of Kent State. Um, and... I just recently learned also that the water was turned off and the electricity was turned off, you know, and they did that moments after the massacre. Uh, so they knew what they were doing. The whole thing was planned. It's very obvious. But anyhow, back that, that's to a big story. deal. Yeah. It, it, well, that's what they do in military uh, battles. They, they turn off the utilities. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. Let's... And uh, it, it's my feeling that Kent State was, a domestic battle of the Vietnam War. I got home. Uh, my mom came home, and we finally got through and to the hospital. And they said to my mother, um, she was DOA. Oh, my God. And my mother clapped, and Ugh. I screamed. And we went on to the hospital, um, a two-hour drive that night. Mm. Someone else drove us, thank goodness. And my parents went in to identify her body. I wasn't allowed in the room, but I could see in. And as I stood there in the hallway looking in, at my sister's lifeless body, I heard there were all these military guys in the hospital, and they were muttering stuff. And they said to us, a grieving family, you know, her body was not even cold. Uh, they should have shot more, and she deserved it. The students deserved it. And uh, so we were just, we could not make any sense of it. Our idea was like, what did Allison do? What could she have done? you know, to bring about this horrible, violent end in her life. Oh and uh, we still do, do not know the answer to that question. No, well, there's a lot we, we the people are not supposed to know. We're supposed to believe official myth that it was just uh, some scared uh, National Guard people who overreacted. Oh, That's, yeah, it was an unfortunate incident. An unfortunate we incident, yeah. Well, your sister Allison, what were her words before she was murdered that deserved to be recorded in history? And and, and that's been totally, you know, wiped out for some reason on the 50th. Uh, uh, but, uh, yes, uh, the day before my sister's uh, slaughter, mm -hmm. uh, we learned it was target assassination at the United Nations uh, when we took it there in 2014. Uh, but when uh, the day before she was killed... Uh, it was a sunny day on on the commons at Kent State University, and the students were interacting with guardsmen that had their you know guns there, their rifles, and they there were there were tanks on campus, and you know uh, body, you know those uh, people carriers, you know these uh, personnel carriers. Yeah, they had all these you know, and and so but it was a gorgeous, beautiful spring day, and it had been a lot of rain early for weeks. So the students were out. Uh, it was a Sunday. Um, and my sister noticed uh, this guy with a lilac, a, a soldier, a lonely soldier, <laughs> uh, standing there with a lilac in his rifle. And he was actually flipping people the peace sign and stuff. And um, my sister went up there with um, her friends. And uh, as, as they were approaching, uh, the officer approached. And uh, 
after some uh, harassment from the officer to the lowly soldier, uh, the guardsman, the lowly soldier, had to hand the flower to the to the guard to the officer, and as the the officer was getting ready to stomp on it and throw it on the ground and oh. stomp on it, my my sister grabbed it. And said, "What's the matter with peace? Flowers are better than bullets. And uh, flowers are better than bullets are on her grave." Oh. Fifty years later, let's. And, and then, uh, then twenty-four hours later, less than that, a, a U.S. government bullet killed her. Yeah, a U.S. government bullet killed her. She was nineteen years old, a student. Now, how is official history? dealt with this. There always has to be another story. What is the official accepted version of what happened? Was it just, is, do they say it was just a few scared National Guardsmen who overreacted? Or, or is the reason, from your research, is there a reason to think that perhaps an order was given? And if so, I, that's very significant. Tell us about that, please. What is the official history and what have well, you found it, out? Their official story is Something they they do a timeline on it, and they leave out. You know, they only put in the facts that they want to support. You know, in their story. You know, this is very typical. And uh, then, uh, you know, uh, the timeline is very specific to what their agendas are, and leaves out a lot of stuff that really happened. Like, you know, you mentioned my sister was a student. She was an honor student. Mm. She was a really bright girl. She was she was popular on campus. Uh, you know, she was well loved by many. Uh, you know, it, it, they leave that part out that this person was living and breathing and had a future, you know, and, and, and was peaceful, by the way. That was her thing. She stood for peace. None of that is, is, is in the story. Instead, it's about how, you know, first they called martial law. And oh, by the way, there's no documents that show that they actually filed it and made it happen. But yeah, they said it happened, and then and, and you know they they would say this, and then they would say the opposite of that. Uh-huh. And so you know it was this muddled story that no one can make heads or tails of. And and at the time when Allison was killed back in May 1970, none of us were privy to any information whatsoever. Everything was shut down. You know, journalists couldn't get. The, mm. the a governor of Ohio refused to give any interviews for like six weeks because he could, you know, and it's and that's kind of been the attitude. It's like we're going to do this our way was what the government served up to our family. And when Allison got killed, we became targets because we wanted mm. truth and accountability, and that was not to be allowed. We were, no, we were not allowed to have it. No one at Kent State or Jackson State or any of these government-perpetrated, manufactured massacres where they do horrible things that are highly illegal. No one is allowed to know the truth of what happened. It will never hit the press. The press is the mouthpiece of of those who are perpetrating this. And it is my feeling that it's COINTELPRO. This is, you know, counterintelligence programs, the covert army of of the FBI that pulled in groups from CIA, Army Intelligence, Navy Intelligence, whatever they needed for their special projects. (sighs) And it's my feeling that Kent State and Jackson State were very, very special projects. Mm. 
Yeah, I guess they were special projects. And there's no doubt that that COINTELPRO was absolutely involved in fighting the war in Vietnam on this side of the Atlantic and the Pacific. They entered, you know, they they, uh, uh, interjected themselves into uh, student organizations. They spied on us. They did quite a bit of that. This is, uh, it just, oh, it's so hard to hear this. There's no mechanism to investigate COINTELPRO, the FBI, or the CIA when they're involved in wrongdoing. We're just supposed to sit and take it and, and, and take their excuses and their stories and, and pretend along with them. Sorry, not going to happen. Not going to happen. No. For the 50th, they're, they're going full bore on this. You know, it, it, the reality is it was a government bullet that killed my sister. Yes. We've never viewed the massacre from the perspective that it was the military the military reports to the government. They're doing the work at the order and the behest of their leaders and the commander-in-chief specifically. And this commander-in-chief yeah. had, had called a war wrongfully. Uh, he was, this was that, that speech that he gave on April 30th was, was there for a reason. He yes. did that. They had been bombing Cambodia and Laos for a solid year before they admitted it in right. May 1970. So, uh, you know, it's all according to their plans, what we're allowed to know, what they'll feed us. And the people who are feeding us, I have identified this year. It, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. It's the CIA. You see all these security analysts on MSNBC and all the defense yeah. analysts and all yeah. these people who are there to tell us Spin the according to how they see it. Yeah. You know, that, that's what we get. We get the CIA view. They think that that is their job. Yeah. What What is official? What has to be uh, taught? And, you know, this whole secret war in Cambodia, it was not exactly a secret to the people of Cambodia. You know, <laughs> it was only a secret to the to the people back home who were whose tax dollars were being used to do that. For those who may have just tuned in, Bert Cohen here. The show is Keeping Democracy Alive. This is tough stuff here today. We're talking with Laurel Krauss, whose sister Allison was one of the four killed in 1970. She was 19 years old. At, uh, at Kent State and uh, trying to find the truth of this. This is, you know, it, it's we're still trying to find the truth. And I remember, you know, 1963, when Kennedy was killed, they swore that in 50 years they would release the information. Well, guess what? They still haven't. They still have not released the information. They can't do it. Now, what? And that's because it was the CIA and COINTELPRO, and they don't answer to anybody. Uh, you know, we have to answer to them. <laughs> They, yeah. think, they think that they're above us. They're indignant. When uh, this year at the at the 50th anniversary, uh, 49th anniversary uh-huh. in May 2019, just days after that happened, um, the Kent State University put uh, someone in charge. They named their nominee. Actually, she was already appointed um, as uh, you know for chair of all the things related to the 50th. So it was a year in advance. They didn't announce it at the 49th. They they leaked it a few days later after everyone had gone home. Uh, So when they leaked this announcement, um, 
I, you know, I got a, a Facebook message from someone who was at Kent State that day, and he said, did you know that the CIA is in charge of the 50th? And I, I read that like at 7 a.m., you know, May 7th, you know, and I went, what? What does the CIA have to do with Kent State? I thought to myself, yeah. you know, what is what is this about? And so I started doing some research, and yes, um, a person named Stephanie Dane Smith had studied at Kent State from 1975 through 79. Uh, she hadn't attended any of the commemorations while she was studying undergrad there. But she had been recruited by the CIA when she was there because Kent State is a recruiting school since at least 1959. And, and ah. we have research on that that shows a lot of schools are that way, but Kent State was really that way. It was uh, it was like a, a, a military university within the state university system. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, uh, you know, they do liquid crystal research. They do a lot of war research there, and they always have. And now it's on steroids. It's they got pavilions to it. But anyhow, uh, uh, you know, uh, they, they appointed her, and we start looking into her background because she's a public person now. You know, she was appointed chair. And, and, and it's a big deal to be chair of the, of the 50th because sure. it's a $2 million budget, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of money, you know. And, yeah. um, and, and so she, she starts, you know, we start looking into it. She's got this real weird sexual past, and she worked at the CIA, but you know what she, her claim to fame was? Uh, she wrote imagine. the CIA torture report. You that can't. We've never been able to. We've never been allowed to see. It, 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 it was sent to Congress, and then they wrote their report. It is very redacted, nonetheless, uh, from her report. I'm sure she did it with other people, but she she was reporting to Gina Haspel, who's director uh-huh, uh-huh. of the CIA right now. Right was also known as Bloody Gina because of torture that's associated with her regime. I, and, and so, uh, you know, <sighs> they, they had her right to torture. Now they're sending her in to do the 10th state report. That's what it seemed like to me. And when, when they put her in charge, I had like a thunderbolt go through me. Yeah. I, I knew for sure that the CIA had been very involved in my sister's killing. Why else would they have to be in charge? So the CIA is involved now, and that, that this Stephanie Dane Smith is chair of the official 50th commemoration at Kent State. What, what? Yes, I, 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 I left that one big point. She retired from the CIA and then became and went to Kent State to become a professor there. So she's a retired CIA person. She worked there for 25 years. She started out her life at the CIA. So from my perspective, you know, she has a CIA point of view ingrained in her because it's been there since Kent State, you know, when she got recruited. I mean, she sees things through a CIA lens no. and, and cannot stop her from self from seeing it that way because she's been indoctrinated, right? Yeah, you can't help it if you're part of the, the, the agency. Then you are part of it. So what's what's planned? What tell us about the official? There's there's well, a couple of different things. Let me just tell you Go what ahead. happened. Is we did an email campaign and sure. we said, what does the CIA have to do with Kent State? And in fact, Kent State CIA is the antithesis of honoring Kent State because CIA was responsible for so many horrible things in Vietnam and since and since and so uh, you know we don't want them in charge. And so we did an email campaign to. Um, President, then President Kent State, um, Beverly Morin. 
And um, her email box got inundated. Uh, they won't tell us how many emails got sent, but it, it was a very successful campaign. And eight days later, Stephanie Dane Smith stepped down, but she's still there. And she's working covertly, which is where her comfort zone is. And uh, they have the person that's in charge of the media. You know, he's the executive director of media at Kent State. Well, he has 20-year careers with the Ohio National Guard. And the person that's in charge of the museum there, that's the uh, May 4th Visitor Center, well, um, oh, she came from uh, the Nixon Presidential Library. She was recruited by Kent State. She had been working at Nixon Library for over five years. And so when we tried to interact with Kent State this last year, um, it, it's been over 50 years. It's always the same. They make it very hard for us. We are not wanted. They, they don't want truth and accountability, just like the CIA doesn't want it, just like the U.S. government doesn't want it. There will be none of that. And so they made it particularly difficult for us this year to have our speaker for Allison, which we have had for the last um, – uh, Rod Flauhouse, who's um, the project manager of the 50th at Kent State University, who's been my uh, liaison – he told me that they've been doing um, uh, having someone speak for the one of the, from all of the four individually uh -huh. Uh -huh. Since, since the '80s. And uh, this year, when we tried to have our our person Mickey Huff from Project Censored, when we had when we tried to get him to uh, to participate and represent Allison, uh, they have not gotten back to us. They won't answer our phone calls. They won't answer our emails. I mean, it's like, who operates like this? Mm. Not generally, uh, you know, straightforward people. And, you know, I'm remembering back when I was in college at the time, and it seems pretty clear what the purpose was. I mean, Nixon called us all bums at the time. They're just bums. That was, I believe that was the day before. And the idea, as in any war, is to scare the heck out of the enemy. And we were the enemy. And... You know, when the soldiers were shooting us down, that is, it's effectively scary. You know, it is scary, and it, 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 it seemed to have worked. People said, okay, they're going to shoot at us. Well, then we're just going to go and live on our own and screw them. I mean, that's yeah. what happened, right? Yep, yep, yep. And, and so people went out to the West Coast. They were living in tree houses out in Hawaii and whatever. Yeah. The place where I live now was settled by, you know, it had a a movement that settled it right after Kent State here. And I'm, I'm mm. very happy to live here because it's a like-minded people. <laughs> nice. Yeah, but it, it did provide an incentive for us to uh, not do that again. Wow. I, and so there... Well, what? you know, it did end the war. You know, well, I, I do believe yes. that uh, Kent State and Jackson State brought a quicker and it took a long, longer still. 1975 yeah. was a five-year battle. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's because you know, the government wants to war no matter what. They don't want these protesters getting them any trouble. No. I mean, that's what this was about. They don't like protesters now, that's for sure. And I, I'll tell you, I was rather surprised in, in 2003 when Bush launched his invasion of Iraq. I really, and many peace people, expected big protests. But uh, it didn't happen. I was really surprised. Well, there were, but they were like silence from yeah. the media. Yeah. And so if it's not on the media, it's not happening, exactly. right? Exactly, right. 
Right, for sure. That it don't doesn't happen less on the media. So there, there's an official. So I, I think that we're going to have a little bit of a revolution with the Zoom stuff. Let me tell you, and and with new technologies, I ah. I think that the people are going to be reclaiming journalism and and reporting and and accountability. And and that kind of brings me to what like what we're doing for the fiftieth. Yes. I don't know if you're ready to go there. Oh yet, sure, but... <laughs> definitely. Uh, you know, for the 50th, um, I, I've been working with Mickey Huff from Project Censored. We put together uh, the Kent State 50th Teach-In. Uh, it's going to be showing on the 4th, on Monday, uh, starting then. And uh, basically, we've asked notables and scholars, academics, uh, Kent State survivors. Um, I've, I've asked a couple, uh, someone from Jackson State, I'm not sure if they're coming in, but it would be great if they did. Uh, but we have, you know, knowledgeable people talking at a high level about Kent State and Jackson State and uh, the meaning of it and the effective now and then on this. And so uh, it's going to be in YouTube format. You're going to see it at truthtribunal.org or at projectcensored.org. Um, uh, it's going to be coming out on May 4th. Um, I gave my interview yesterday. Uh, we have wonderful participants, uh, Peter Kuznick. Uh, uh, Michael Moore has said he's going to be joining us. He hasn't yet. We're crossing our fingers. Um, you know, we have scholars like uh, Gregory Payne, and uh, we have a, a BLM activist, DeRay McKesson, uh -huh. talking about this from – talking about Kent State from Black Lives Matter perspective, which is this, – this is how, what we should be doing. Instead of, like, pointing fingers, you know, accountability is very important. But if the government's not going to play with you and not going to give it to you, well, then you have to move on and try other things. And so, you know, the Kent State Truth Tribunal, we formed that in 2010, and Emily Kunstler and I filmed original participants and witnesses of the massacre. Right now, we're working on all the videos and the transcripts, and we're going to be putting wow. them up over the 50th year. But for the 50th, we put together, for May 4th, 50th, we put together this opportunity for, for people to start thinking about it in different ways instead of what we're spoon-fed by the media yeah. and to think about what it means to us individually as well as to the collective. What, what's the school doing? What is, what is the official commemoration doing? They must be very careful and have it all planned very carefully. They, they've made it so that no one can have anything live or live-casted. It's, it's very much canned. Uh, they have their perspective, which is they're, they're, they're talking about the individuals who stood by it for all these years and how they've done a good job doing that. That's who they're paying attention to. Uh, they framed the four their way. They won't allow any meaningful participation on any of our parts. I mean, you know, maybe other people were treated differently, other families. I'm sure they were. I mean, we've had a problem because we've wanted truth and accountability. And, and when you want that, you know, no one wants to play with you at Kent State. I mean, it's just how it goes. Uh, and it's been 50 years of them being really nasty about it on top of it, just mean, when they didn't have to be, you know. But it's just maybe it's part of the Kent State toxicity. I, mm. I This is a wound that demands healing. And that's why I do think the Kent State 50th teaching, because when we look at truth and we examine it, we have discourse and we have the opportunity to heal the wound and to find peace. I mean, we're not going to change the government being like, like this, you know, on mm. May 4th. 
2020. It's not going to happen. You're going to be like this. You know, it's gotten worse since my sister got killed. This is this is a much more fierce machine. See, the, the, what yeah. I think is really interesting is when when my sister was killed, we were target number one because we would not shut up about what the happened to Allison. You know, yeah. well, she, my father. Oh my God. You know, he, you know, and. Uh, he, he took it to the courts nine years. He had to take it to the Supreme Court to get the right to even sue Ohio. We won. So no sovereign states in, in the United States any longer. No state is above the law like Ohio thought they were. And, and so, you know, that was five years in, you know, to, you know, five years li- later. You know? And so they, you know, it's just they they are have their machines. They want to oh. keep warring. My sister and Kent State and so much of this is the Achilles heel of that machine. Mm. Interesting. Well, no wonder they don't want it exposed. If it's their weak point, they can't have it exposed. Well, it- well they also show how much the CIA was involved in creating that event. And so it is very exposing. And then at the 50th, they put a CIA person in charge. (laughs) I mean, it's like, I'm not making these choices. They have made these choices. And it's out there, bare for us to look. You know, we can see what they've done. And they, they're looking at us, oh, nothing to see here. Yeah, we'll nothing to see here. Keep moving. For 15 years, nothing to see here. Keep, keep moving. Keep moving. <laughs> if, for those who may have just tuned in, Bert Cohen here, uh, we're talking with Laurel Krause about uh, 50 years ago, May 4th, 1970, when her sister, who was 19 at the time, Allison Krause, was killed along with three others. We're talking about the Kent State Massacre. Now, you've done, there's a lot of, I want to break in for a minute. Oh, Bill sure. Schroeder, William Schroeder, Sandra Scheuer, yes. Jeffrey Miller, Thank you. and Allison Krauss died on May 4, 1970. And I am very Allison-centric because wow. it's the only one I can speak of with authority. True. But I recognize all of the four. I recognize the two protesters, or you know, people who were walking down the street, maybe, at Jackson State who died too. I yeah. think that this was a COINTELPRO event. I believe it was perpetrated by the government very successfully, and now they're putting the 50th year cap on it, making sure you know that it sits well and they can just move on. Well, there's, there's a lot of you know, forensic work to do, the, the questions that are raised. According to an article that uh, you provided me uh, in The New Yorker by Jill Lepore, who had there was somebody who had the foresight to prevent a continuing slaughter. What was that all about? That's an interesting story. And what, what actually, are you talking about Glenn Frank? Yeah, I guess it was. I don't remember the name. Sorry. Somebody who, who uh, took some action to stop more slaughter. Uh, I'm, you know, there was a professor who got on the bullhorn. Yes. Who, that was um, who, who talked to the students after the, the barrage that, you know, my sister was sitting in the parking lot fighting for her life for like 30 to 45 minutes. Mm. All the other students, you know, they had, they had ambulances there on the met, on the comments where the, the demonstration started and then it went up and over the hill, but they had those, those two ambulances at least uh, there on the comments, but those were reserved for the national guard. Yeah. 
So, so when Allison and Jeff and Bill and Sandy and the nine others right. were bleeding to death, they couldn't use those. You, you, in footage, you see an ambulance, you know, you know, going really quickly, and all the students in shock and whatever. And that had that was from an Ohio National Guardsman who had a heart attack because of what they did <laughs> when they shot at students. But anyhow. You were saying, what was your question again? Well, I guess that that uh, the professor took some actions that actually stopped more shooting from happening, and, and that if, if he hadn't well, done... Well, this, this was a domestic battle. They were there to kill. Yeah, they were. They're wearing gas masks. They got the head... They, 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 you know, there are only a few, and, uh, you know, it's, but it's full of particular things that don't add up like they uh-huh. have the national guard there and they have general canterbury and he is the you know the top guy there pooped for a sports jacket he's he's wearing civilian wear but he's got a gas mask well as because he's wearing civilian outfit he cannot give a command to fire he's not permitted so they had things like that where it was like oh well he couldn't have done it um, well, what's your... so you go to the other who else might be in charge and everything was wonky like that everything nothing added up it was all like but then the, you know like they said they said they called martial law the night before or whenever that was there's no paperwork that supports that martial law was ever called they well, just said it was there's a big question as to whether there was an order given the official version if I'm correct, which I don't know, is that, well, these, these, there were rocks being thrown, there had been uh, some violence the night before, that these uh, young National Guardsmen just uh, reacted out of fear, and that, that that's all it was, that there was no order given. Now, you and some other people, like Stuart Allen, I believe it was, did some forensic work on this. What have you found with regard to whether or not an order was given, and what is the significance of whether or not an order was given. You bring up a marvelous, important, illuminating point. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, I try. <laughs> um, Stuart Allen uh, broke a story on May 8, 2010. It was the 40th anniversary, just days after it. I had just been doing the Kent State Truth Tribunal with Emily Kunstler in Kent, Ohio, when we had interviewed, you know, around 60 participants, Uh original participants of the Kent State Massacre. And I had put that together by the seat of my pants. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. You know, this was 10 years ago, too. Mm. And um, and I I was a little shell-shocked then because it was my first time. There's just a lot going on. And so, you know, that happened. And for me to put that together for May, you know, 2010, I basically had been running since January 1st to get it done. Mm. And, And when I... And by May 7th, I, I walked over the threshold of my home in here in California, and I was so glad that I had completed everything. I could not even speak anymore. I was, like, crawling in here. It was just I had put everything out already, and I didn't have anything left. And I was just so happy to be home. And walking across, my phone rings, and it's my mom. And she says, they they found the t- they they found the tape they found the tape and it's been analyzed and they found the order to fire and I said what and she says I had to give an order I had to give a, a statement I hope you you like it I hope I didn't screw it up yeah. 
And I said, no, no, you couldn't have screwed it up. I can't talk. You know, <laughs> you know what is this? You know, and so she tells me, you know, the story. And I go and I look and I find it, you know. And, and I learned that Stuart Allen had, analy- had been commissioned by the Cleveland Play dealer to analyze the Kent State tape. And this tape had been recording on the window ledge of a student's dormitory at Kent State University during, you know, actually before, during, and after the Malay that happened on May 4, 1970. It was one of those uh, recorders that we had back then. Yes. Uh, and he had it out on, and it picked up everything. It's amazing. Uh, and... Uh, uh, that guy, it was a real to real originally. I found out. Oh, I, yeah. I, uh, and it, but it was one of those PAL recorders. I don't know if you remember those. I do. Um, I do. A lot of people will. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, and he had one, and he then that got copied to uh, something else that had music on it uh, prior to it. Uh-huh. So it. it and so, and then it got copied and copied and copied, but it was just kept, you know? And so uh, my, my father had a lot of interest in that tape. Um, oh, yeah. and, and he was the one that was pursuing all the legal stuff. So when it was possible for that to be trans, uh, 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 transferred to a CD, it was done. So it became digital. Wow. And so that was what Stuart Allen analyzed. It was from the Yale Library where my father had his papers. My father, Arthur Kraft. And so the Yale Library had so he got the CD, and he, you know, he actually Cleveland Plain Dealer gave it and said, "Can you analyze this CD? Can you take a look at Struby Cape? It's called." And so he analyzed it, and he came out with the order to fire. And it, and it had been, you know, since day one, they had denied an order to fire. Sure. And it just made it made no sense because the guardsmen marched up a hill. They all turned in unison. And they all shot in unison. As my mother, my dear departed mother, would say, did they all have the same thought at the same moment? <laughs> you know? It's like, how did that happen? It never made sense, but we had no proof. You have to have proof. And and so they had this tape, but it was so muddled. And yeah. so Stuart Allen did the first digital analysis of it. Uh, he, he could make it go slower and faster. He could he could take out other threads of sound. Uh-huh. And so he came out with the story. It was breaking. And my mother, you know, calls me. They got it, you know. And so, of course, you know, the government doesn't want to look at it. And about two years later, they finally, you know, the you know Department of Justice said that maybe it was a year or so. I, it was forever. But it was announced on my sister's birthday, which was so helpful, um, mm-hmm. that they weren't going to take a look at it. And they were looking at uh, recordings from 1974 instead that they thought that those were okay. Um, and then, you know, something about door slamming and whatever they were just, uh, you know, they, and you know, you know, the people that were involved in doing all this was Robert Mueller. Oh, him. Robert S. Mueller. The, Interesting. The, you know, this God that we were sold, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was the one that denied it. Oh, wow. Ah, and Jim Jordan was CC'd. Oh, Jim Jordan. On the letter. It's so disgusting. It's, oh, so, my. it's just disgusting. Oh, that, you know, anyhow, that's, that happened like in 2012. But, uh, but what, you know, what happened later in the year was really interesting because Stuart Allen was coming on. Our, we were doing a testimonial with him in New York. 
Uh, we did three tribunals in 2010. And so uh, he came to get in front of our cameras and talk about what he found. And as he was preparing to do it, he listened to the stuff before the order to fire, which he hadn't uh-huh. had time to do before. Very, uh-huh. very busy man. And he found, he heard this, this altercation, very violent, very, very violent, where they're saying things like, you know, kill the pig. And, 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 and you can hear the, the, uh, the fist being thrown. And uh, it, it's this tussle of a number of guys against one. And uh, what we've been able to pu- pull together is there was this FBI informant provocateur out there that was raising his pistol, and it was shiny, and uh, he uh, he got overcome by the students and said, what the hell are you doing, ah. you know, and uh, tried to stop him, but he managed to get away after after some time. He got a little injured, got a little punched. You know, I think he got might have gotten kicked, too. Anyhow, uh, he, uh, he, he uh, got away. He managed to shoot off his pistol for shot. And those sounds match what Terry, what, um, what Stuart Allen found um, in, on that tape before the commands to fire. So it, it becomes pretty clear that that was a signal. Oh, my. That he, he created it. And this is done. This is what they do. This is the standard playbook, right? You know, <laughs> uh, it, it, they they call it sniper fire. And then if anyone else calls it uh, sniper fire, then, then you get attacked, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, so it's just it's reaction. The sound right? of sniper fire, the sound <sighs> that he created. And that sound ricocheted because this was like in a parking lot mm-hmm. with buildings all around it so mm-hmm. it, it ricocheted all over it was really bad what happened I and it was so. planned and it was a little late because the guardsmen were already starting to go over the hill because he his signal had been had been uh, uh made later because the students were beating him up uh-huh Gosh, you know, what a surprise. The FBI trying to uh, be a provocateur. I'm so shocked. I can't imagine them doing it. And, and, and it was denied for many <laughs> years until uh, J. Edgar Hoover died. And after he died, I think it was about a year later, they, they finally came up with his pay stubs. His name is Terry Norman. He's still out there. He became a made man that day. Huh. He has protection. He, he did what he was supposed to do, as was everybody else out there on that day. And the, and the protesters, too. They did what they were supposed to do. And it, it, it is amazing. And, the, and if, I mean, they all, the official story is that, no, there was no order given. It was just them reacting. But as you're describing, as your mother was saying, they all had the same thought at the same exact time turn and fire <laughs> all at the same time. Gosh, I, you know, that's just unthinkable. Now, whatever happened to those responsible? The Ohio National Guard uh, apparently did an investigation, at least in quotes, and to this day refuses to publish its findings. Eight former guardsmen were found innocent because intent could not be proven. I would really like to read that report. Do you think I should be given the right to read that report? What do you think, Bert? Well, let's see. Your sister was killed. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. Of course. I, I and I formed it the should be made public. Tribunal. 
I, 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 I formed the Kent State Truth Tribunal. We've been around Jeez. for 10 years. I'm taking it to the United Nations. Oh, by the way, when we took oh, yes. it to the United Nations in March 2014, it was at the Fourth Periodic Review. It was before the U.S., excuse me, the U.N. Human Rights Committee. I, I went to Geneva, and, and I spoke for Kent State there. Wow. And the U.S. Department of Justice responded, and they said, in 1970, four students were killed or murdered. They said murdered? Yes, they said that. At the hearing, at the treaty hearing, it's recorded, it's on record, they said it. U.S. Department of Justice Assistant Attorney General, he was there, he did it. I witnessed it. (sighs) I could not believe it. I, I was turning to my friends because it was very quick. And you've got the thing in your ear, you know, where you're right. listening to the different. And, and it's it's such a cool thing, the United Nations. I can't tell you how exciting. And it, it was a, definitely a pinnacle. And, and I'm there with my girlfriend, who who's, I used to run around San Francisco with for uh, years. And she's, she lives in London, and she's a political person still, too. And the two of us are there, you know, so many years later. And, and she was fantastic how she handled things. And, Hey, Amelia, did you hear this? Anyhow, she, um, uh, I turned to her and said, did you, what did he, did he say murder? Did he still say killing? And she said, I don't know. It was so fast. Oh so we had to wait for two weeks to hear the recording of it. I mean, it was like, I, I could not believe it. So, and of course, you know, how do we, how do we capture that and make it meaningful to the American system. Yeah, really. How did those guys get off anyway? I mean, they just, because they couldn't uh, prove uh, intent, was that it? And what about civil suits? I mean, I mean you must try all kinds of legal things. Oh, no, I, I don't believe in the legal suits. My father was pursuing it for nine years. I mean, it, I said, you think you're going to win? I mean, I had no hope whatsoever. And he was mad at me about that, you know, but, you know, it's, it's just a way for them to drain your resources mm. and, and, and deal with things that have nothing to do with Kent State. And this is so important to me. So thank you for bringing this up. Mm. Kent State is about the government killing protesters and, and doing it with impunity and indignation. Indignation. 50 years later, 50 years later they still have that. How dare we deem to want to have truth and accountability? Who do we think we are? The people wanting to know what happened instead of this. This was government bullet that killed my sister. Yes. Uh. And it's never been looked at that way. And there's no vehicle to ever have it looked at that way. How do you... How do you have it? The media won't allow it because they're spoon-fed by the by all the the powers that be in the government. The security state has to have the control of what is thought and and spoken, right? Well, luckily, there's more media these days. You and I are talking on it here, and there's you know the this uh, crazy internet thing that allows all kinds we of voices. We need to form a revolution of the people now where we're talking to each other and we're doing our own investigations and screw the rest of this. I am not interested in MSNBC stuff anymore. And, you know, I don't want to hear from the democratic party anymore either. Mm. I don't want to hear from any of the political parties. They, they do nothing for me. I want, I think it's important to vote. I don't want to even talk about that. Yeah. 
I, yeah. I vote and I, I believe it and I, I, I support that. But I, I, I don't like the shenanigans of this media world related to those groups. I don't want to hear from them anymore. I wish they would shut up. <laughs> How do you really feel? <laughs> I mean, sorry about that. But, you know, it's fascinating to me that, you know, as this New Yorker article called Kent State and the War That Never Ended by Jill Lepore just came out a few days ago, she, she explains, uh, according to the President's Commission on Campus Unrest, which amazingly was not a whitewash, the modern era of campus unrest began February 1st, 1960. Six zero at a lunch that lunch counter event. If we see linkage between seemingly disparate student protests, perhaps there are lessons that can be learned. It seems like the government's learning all kinds of lessons, like uh, you know, just to to quell the news and to to just bury stories. Uh, but but uh, you know, well, the there's war been a, that they had going on was the war. It was you know, it was you know. It was against civil rights. It right. was against political rights. Right. And and we never really talk about political rights in America. But, you know, we have them. We have political we rights as protesters. They want us to and, believe we uh, don't. But we do. Ah, oh, darn it. <laughs> we absolutely do. They want us to think we're powerless. But my goodness, they they know we are not powerless. But we yet somehow we believe. Well, it, it's not. We have make the story not about them anymore screw them true screw them really we need i need to make it about people like my sister yes we need to honor her correctly and until we start doing that you know the wounds will still continue to fester and we will be unpowered people because that's how it works when you don't heal your wounds individually and in the collective uh you cannot go forward you you succumb and that's what we're living through right now and so I have this new philosophy uh, related to my sister. It's W-W-A-D-N. What would Allison do now? Ah. What would she do now? And I approach my life Interesting, that way. yeah. It's like when I, when I want to solve a problem, when I need to have a creative solution, ah. when, I, when I'm looking at when I'm stuck. Um, I can tap in. Allison is everywhere, by the way, guys. It's really kind of cool how that works. Mm. Um, and, and, and stuff comes. And you feel happier and you feel more connected when you're doing that because you're not sitting there and asking. You know, you have to fight for peace. You, it, it's, it's not something that just kind Injustice. of shows up. yes. You have to fight for justice, peace and justice. I, I don't, you know, I, I, you know, I think justice may be instinct, distinct, extinct in this era. Uh, I'm sorry to say. Oh, great. I, mean, <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I think the pursuit of justice is impossible given the framework we have. Yeah, all the money that's involved. I mean, gosh, if you can't pay lawyer fees, so much for justice. Well, you can't even. I mean, there's no law against killing a protester when a government does it. <sighs> It's not that I'm not reacting. I'm reacting to what you said. That's amazing. Well, what can Monday is coming up? I'm going to try to get this right out uh, so people can listen to it. Monday is the 50th anniversary. Uh, tell us about what people can do on this amazing internet gizmo that we have. What what's what's expected there, and how can people tune in? Well, 
we're kind of still making it up as we go along. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what happened with this COVID thing really kind of Ugh, threw geez. us for a loop. Uh, but uh, I think what we will have is really, really great content. It, it, the delivery might be a little funky, though. So, you know, my thoughts on that are the funkier, the better. It's, yeah. This is real, you know, and, and we're real people here. We're not, you know, stiff, uh, you know, flashy uh, you know, we got our message down people. Basically, we want to present truth. And so for the Kent State 50th uh, teaching, uh, we don't know if we're going to continue. And so uh, what we're asking people to do is to watch it at uh, www.truthtribunal.org. It will be on my front page. Um, that's the Kent State Truth Tribunal website. Or at projectcensored.org. And that's the uh, website of director Mickey Huff, who also is conducting all the interviews that are are uh, there um, in the teaching. And uh, it, it, we did them by Zoom, and it's with notable people. And it's it's a new approach to healing these kind of things. And I think we should do more of this, uh, where we get people to talk about uh, high-level discussion or even detailed discussion, but let's start coming together as a people and sharing our ideas instead of letting them tell us what we're supposed to do anymore. Wow. It's time for us to get back and get the reins, you know, to the horse here. Let's let's take control of our lives, and maybe we can have a little bit of peace in our lives before we die. You know, maybe maybe it will. Maybe we'll be able to manifest greater peace. For sure we can do that. Yeah, you know, you never know what comes up. I mean, this whole, uh, you know, novel coronavirus thing, it's shaking things up. People are connecting in ways they never have before, and it's a big surprise. It's, it's like this is all unexpected and really new territory. And you're right, people are fed up with the crap we're being force-fed on the media uh, and, and people are dealing with it in all different ways, but uh, we can think for ourselves what a concept. And I think most people want peace. And, you know, the, the New York, New Yorker article on Kent plus 50 ends with the reference to Martin Luther King saying, you know, when he said the arc of history bends toward justice, the author says, well, it turns out the Carter of time is longer than Martin Luther King could have known. It takes a long time to get to the truth, but we have to push. We have to push for the truth. You've been doing it for so many years. You know, history picked you, Laurel. Obviously, you know this is not well, something you, you know, asked for. I, I have my role. God, I, have my I guess role. you I'm do. I'm happy to have my role, uh, but I, I have to say, um, I, I just got a, a little bit of inspiration, maybe from Allison, and and, and she said. You know, let's let May fourth, twenty twenty, be beginning of the of the change. But let's mark this in time that we're going to find greater peace in our lives every day. Mm. That everyone's going to go for what would Allison do now? You know, and, and let, let's take a look at how we can create greater peace in each of our lives right now, each day. And, and you're going to feel better doing it. I promise you. And you'll heal a little bit. And you'll find what needs to be addressed a little bit more every day. Keeping her alive. We're doing that. So again, just in case people missed it, 
on Monday. What 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 time? Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, again, I think if you go to Facebook and you go to Kent State Truth Tribunal, uh, I'll have the uh, the I'll have a the details up that will lead you in. Um, you also go to the front page of truthtribunal.org, and um, somewhere very notable uh, for the 50th Kent State, this is the Kent State 50th you're talking about, um, on projectcensor.org. And this will be available for people to watch. Yes. And we're going to try to figure out how do we want to slice it and dice it? Nah. Do, we want more, do we want more interviews? <sighs> Good luck. Or do we want to do more here? We'd love to get feedback from people and uh, anyone that wants to support this work, please go to www.truthtribunal.org and go to our support page and feel free to contribute. We really put our, you know, whatever we I get into so. the work there. It, it's, and it's pretty much, on, the onus is on me, yeah. and it's by the seat of my pants. I have no resources to do this, but people do help, and it makes all the difference. So appreciating... <sighs> Uh, you know, uh, please watch our stuff and please let us know what you think about it in any way you can. Uh, we're out there and I'm very accessible. Well, thank you so much for what you have been doing. You know, people think we can't have an influence on history. My goodness, you've certainly been having an influence on history and we can do it. We are not powerless. You have real power, Laurel. Thank you so much for being with us and, and for what you're doing. I'm very admiring of, of your work. Thank you. I thank you for giving me this extended time to really share. What an honor. Yeah, the honor is mine. Thank you so much. Peace, everybody. Brothers, listen to my story. Sisters, listen to my song. Gonna sing it for young people. Fifteen fell at that moment.